0: Well, good morning, church. Uh, I'm so glad that we're going to be uh, starting a brand new series today. And so today we begin our our journey through the book of 1 John. So why don't you take your Bibles and and begin to open them up to 1 John. And as you do, I want to issue a challenge to everyone. Uh, Today I want to issue the challenge of making the commitment to reading through the book of 1 John at least one time a week while we're in this series together, and so just so you, you don't feel overwhelmed, let me just put your mind at ease. It's not a long book. There's five chapters, about 105 verses. Uh, you could read it easily in one sitting. It's probably less than 20 minutes to to read through this book, and so you could read it for your devotion time. Uh, you read it as you're having breakfast in the morning, as you're drinking your coffee. Uh, instead of logging in and watching something on netflix maybe you can set that aside and open your bible and and read this together I encourage you to to read it together as a family as well craft some time in your schedule this next week to sit down together and and, and read this chapter not just the chapter but but next chapter you know maybe you can take turns and one person in your family uh, reads one chapter, and, and then you go to the next person with the next chapter. Be creative in it. But, but spend time intentionally reading through the book of First John. And in case you're wondering, why am I asking you to do this? it's Because of the reality that God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive, and it is active for all of us not just for for your pastor. Now, I have the privilege of being able to stand before you week after week, and and, and in doing so, I I get the awesome responsibility of being able to to share with you uh, what God is putting on my heart and what he is shaping in my life as I study his word. And in doing that, as much as I might pour my heart into it, May you know that that this in and of itself is not enough. If this time in church is the only time that you're opening up your Bible and looking at it, then, then may you know that it's not enough. If this is all you get, then you're in danger of being spiritually and biblically malnourished. Every one of us, we need to be in God's Word consistently. We need to be in His Word consistently, and we need to be in His Word collectively and individually. And I can't help but to believe that if we are all reading the same thing, and if we're coming together week after week to discuss the very things that we are all reading together, as we gather to worship and we're, we're talking about the very same text that we're all reading about, then, then I can't help but to believe that we're going to be growing together in the Lord. And I think that is a beautiful thing. And so please take the challenge to, to, to read through the, the Word of God and specifically through 1 John, all five chapters at least one time a week over the course of these next few months. With that being said, let's dive right into First uh, John chapter 1. Before I begin to read verse number one, I want you to understand that there was a major problem within the church at the time that John wrote this letter. The church had a, they were experiencing a, a decline in, in their commitment. Many believers were conforming to the world's standards. They were failing to stand up for Christ, and they were compromising their faith. False teachers were corrupting the minds of of believers. And so John wrote this letter to to help put them back on the right track. He wrote this letter to show the difference between light and darkness, or, or between truth and error. He wrote it to encourage the church to be genuine in love, love for God and love for one another. Uh, It's my prayer that that this series would be a wake-up call for all of us. By all of us, I'm talking about for those of us that are in Christ and for those of us who aren't, or as uh, looking back into to last week and our study through 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and, and even into chapter 1, that, that this would be a, a wake-up call for those of us who are currently perishing and for those of us who are currently being saved. And so before we begin, I must kind of give a, a, a word of caution, a word of ca- caution from, from the very onset. Don't let your pursuit of good deceive you into thinking that you are in a right relationship with God. Some of you who are listening and, and watching this message, man, you do good things. Not only that, that you are a loving and, and gracious individual. But, but your problem is that you've never submitted to God and surrendered your life unto him. And so you live your life thinking that because of the good that you do or because of the love that you show or because of the graciousness and the generosity of your spirit, then you're good with God. But in reality, you're not. You're going through, through the motions and you're only fooling yourselves you would be uh, more likely to be considered uh, what one might term a a counterfeit Christian. A counterfeit Christian is much like a counterfeit $10 bill. So suppose you had a a counterfeit $10 bill and you thought it was the genuine thing. You didn't realize that it was counterfeit. You, You thought it was the real deal. So so you use that, that $10 bill, and you go down, and, and, and you put some gas in your car, and so you, you pay the gas station clerk uh, with your $10 bill. And they receive it, and later on during the, the individual shift, he gives that $10 bill back to, to someone making change for a purchase that they have made, to which that individual takes that $10 and goes home and ends up paying the, neighbor, uh, the neighbor's kid $10 to rake the leaves in, in the front yard. The neighbor's kid who's excited and takes that $10 and goes down to uh, get uh, food from his favorite restaurant, picks up something from, from who knows, he gets a, a large container of mac and cheese and uh, some chicken nuggets and, 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 and lemonade from the, the, the greatest place to get chicken nuggets and, and lemonade from, and we all know where that is. Later on, during that day, the, uh, the, the person at, at the cash register takes that $10 and, and gives it to an elderly couple making change for their meal. The grandmother takes that $10 bill, puts it in an envelope, and, and mails it off to their grandchild for their birthday celebration. The grandchild gets that, that envelope, sees that $10 bill, makes its way down to, to Walmart or Target or whatever, makes a purchase, uh, buying a gift with the money that they receive from, from, from their grandmother. I mean, this counterfeit $10 bill is circulating all over the place until eventually someone takes that $10 bill, bundles it up with 49 other $10 bills, and takes it to the bank only to try to deposit that into the account, only to discover from the teller that, hey, this $10 bill is counterfeit. It's fake. We can't take it. So it's removed from circulation, and, and it's ultimately destroyed. Now here's the deal. That $10 bill did a lot of good when it was in circulation. But when it arrived at the bank, it was exposed for what it was, It was a fake. And so it is with the counterfeit Christian. Oh, you may do a lot of good things in this world, but there'll come a time when you will stand before the judge in judgment and ultimately be rejected. Jesus himself declared in Matthew chapter 7, And he said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's not enough just to do good. Oh, we must submit and surrender our lives to the King of Kings. And so we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth about God's Word so that we might humble ourselves, so that we might surrender our lives unto God, and and that we might be encouraged as we begin to walk in the reality of a new life that we have in and through Jesus Christ. Now, uh, the, this book that we're going to be journeying through is, is a little bit unique. It's unique in the sense that there's no greeting and there's no uh, salutation in this letter. What John has to say is of utmost importance that he jumps right into the subject that he wants uh, to cover. And John jumps right into it, and he's going to declare that, that God has come to earth through his son you see that god is not some distant or or disinterested deity no god has not forgotten his creation god is not unconcerned about the things of this world in fact the very opposite is true god loves us And he cares for us. And he demonstrated the love that he has for us and the care and the concern that he experiences for us. He demonstrates that in the most spectacular way. God sent his son. I want you to look at the very beginning of this letter. Verse number one, he starts the letter by saying, What was from the beginning? some people think that this might refer to jesus's eternal coexistence with the father or even uh, maybe it's a reference to the beginning of creation and they would look at texts like genesis 1 1 and, and john chapter 1 verse number 1 and while both of those facts are true I believe that in light of the context of this letter, John is probably referring to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It seems that there were false teachers that had spread some bad information about Jesus. However, John was with Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry. And so, based upon firsthand experience, John was determined to set the record straight about our Lord and Savior. And so, John was there from the beginning of Jesus' three years of ministry. He was there to witness firsthand the things that he's going to share with them about Jesus. And and these are things, uh, these aren't things that, that someone else had told John about. These, these, these aren't rumors that were circulating around about Jesus. No, John is going to tell them the very things that he could personally verify. Uh, for, for He goes on to say, he says, uh, for what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have touched or looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. There's a sense of progression that's happening here. Uh, john heard what jesus had to say he listened to jesus's teachings and then he watched with his own eyes as jesus lived it all out here on the earth not only that not only has he seen it with his own eyes not only has he has he looked at it but he's examined it closely he's examined it closely to see if jesus is for real and then he's he's touched it. He's lived it. He's experienced it. And he experienced the reality of what he's about to proclaim to the people. And not only has he experienced it, but it has transformed his life. Being with Jesus has made all the difference in who he was and what he did to consider the things that, that John saw and, and the things that John experienced as he walked with our Lord. In those three years, John saw Jesus do things that he never could have imagined Jesus doing. He, he saw Jesus heal lepers uh, on several occasions. Society wanted nothing to do with lepers They were outcast, they were feared, they were shunned, they were avoided, they were cast out of their communities and isolated. But but Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus touched them, not just with his words, but, but, but with his hands. Jesus laid hands upon the lepers. And he cured at that time what was considered to be incurable. And how did he do it? He simply spoke and the people were healed. And John was there to, to see that. John saw Jesus heal lepers. John saw Jesus heal the lame and, and healed the blind. Jesus renewed their bodies and and he restored their sight and John was there to see it all. John was there to witness Jesus uh, raising a man from the dead. And Lazarus had been dead and in the tomb for, for four days and Jesus calls forth his name and John was there to see that man walk out of the grave. Not only that, John saw how even demons were submissive and obedient to our Lord. Demons recognized Jesus as the Son of God, and John was a witness to that. John saw how demons had no choice but to bow in the authority of Jesus. You can read about out, accounts like that in Luke chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5. John witnessed all of this. He saw it with his own eyes. John was there along with Peter and James. He was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. He was there when the true glory of Jesus was revealed. And John got to see that. He saw it for himself he witnessed it with his own eyes. And think about all the things that John got to experience. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night that our Lord was betrayed, Jesus took his inner circle made up of of Peter, James, and, and John, and he takes those men further into the garden and he asked him to to stay up and to watch and to pray as jesus wrestled in prayer with god that night john was there when jesus was betrayed it was only of all 12 disciples it was only peter and john who followed along at a distance It was John who was there to hear what happened when Jesus was brought before Pilate. It was John who was there standing beside Mary, the the mother of Jesus, when our Lord was crucified. It's John to whom Jesus speaks, saying, Behold, your mother. Of all the disciples, Jesus turns to John and asks John to take care of his mother as though he were, uh, she was his own mother. And Scripture tells us that's exactly what John does. He takes her into his home and he cares and provides for her. When the disciples are told that the stone has been rolled away and that the tomb is empty, it is Peter and it is John who, who run to the grave. John happens to throw in the fact that he's faster than Peter and he arrives there first. So John sees for himself the empty tomb. He sees that with his own eyes. Scripture tells us that he's the first of all the disciples to actually believe in the resurrection. We think about it. John saw for himself the risen Savior. He he recognized them with his own eyes. He talked with him. He ate with him. He marveled at what he had to say and what he did. I want you to listen to what John says in in the Gospel of John. John writes and proclaims in John chapter 21, verse number 25. John says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did which, if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. You see, John had seen it. He had heard it. He'd experienced it. He, he lived it. And now he wants everyone else to know. I want you to, to look at the end of verse number one. There you'll see that Jesus is referred to as the word of life. Now, what does that phrase mean? What does that name mean? Well, why does he use the name word of life? I believe it is because Jesus is what our words are to others. So so Jesus is to us what our words are to other people. But you to think about what words are. See, our words are the expression of an idea. A thought or a picture our, our words describe what is in the mind of a person so our words reveals to to other people what we think or, or how we feel so so likewise as the word of life jesus reveals to us the mind of our god and jesus reveals to us the heart of our father So to know Jesus is to know God. Let's keep going. Look at verse number 2. Verse number 2 says, And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now there's a, a compulsion here. The witness to the Son of God must proclaim the truth the truth is that that the son of god jesus christ came to earth jesus came to earth and he showed us life he showed us that true life is in god and in god alone we don't have to live in sin we no longer have to live enslaved by death and corruption we can now live in the abundance of love, joy, and peace with God, both presently and eternally. All we have to do is repent and believe in Him. Verse 3 says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus christ john proclaimed what he knew about jesus so that according to verse number three so that you too may have fellowship with us now now john makes it very clear in chapter two that this letter is written to people who were already believers in fact let me show you look at first john chapter two And look at verse number 12. There John writes, and he says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So, so John is writing, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> John is writing to a, a collection of, of believers and as believers, they can never lose the gift of life that has been given to them when they put their faith and trust in Jesus. In fact, John clarifies that even further in the gospel of John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40. And, and so, uh, although believers can, can never lose the gift of life, that's true, but their fellowship with God depends upon them walking in the light. Now, next week, more than likely, we'll, we'll make it to verse number seven. Verse number seven says, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, the danger to the reader. Or to the listener, was that they might be lured into darkness by the teaching of false teachers or, or antichrists that were bound. And so John is trying to help them to get back on the right track of the proper doctrine and teachings to follow. And you see, John wrote the gospel, the gospel according to John. John wrote that in order to tell people how to receive the wonderful life that can be found in and through Jesus. In John chapter 20, verse number 31, it says, But these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he wrote the gospel in order to to tell people how to receive the wonderful life in Jesus Christ. Now, he writes this first letter to tell people how to be sure that they've actually received the wonderful life that they proclaim that they have. He he writes this letter in order to, to verify that you've truly been, a phrase that he's going to use repeatedly, is a phrase born of God. This is how you can know that you've been born of God. In first John chapter 5, verse number 13. Excuse me. We'll see if that does. Nope. It's not going to do any difference. So just bear with me. In first John chapter 5, verse number 13. John says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. See, John's goal was to furnish his readers and listeners with the basic truths of their faith so that their fellowship with God could be strengthened. John's desire is what my desire is for our church is for all of us to have a solid relationship with God, allowing him to transform our hearts and our lives based upon his word. Now, if we are not in proper fellowship with God, then we cannot be in full fellowship with one another. See, our, our Christian to Christian fellowship is rooted in our fellowship according to verse number three, with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, let's get to verse number four before my voice completely goes out. Verse number four says, These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Now, this statement is similar to the statement that he makes in 3 John. In 3 John, verse number four, he writes, I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children walking in the truth. See, John was so concerned with the welfare of his uh, listeners that he could not experience complete joy himself as long as they were struggling with doubt, doubt that was being created by this false teaching And so if the readers would have their salvation reaffirmed, then their joy would be made full. And in their joy, then John's joy would be made complete. Man, I love that. May we never forget that good news is for sharing. Man, when good news happens in our lives, then then what do we typically do? but we typically find a way to share that good news with other people. Sometimes we make a phone call to a friend or to a family member. We might send out an email to our, to our friends, post something on, on social media as a result of the good news that we've just experienced. Man, in other words, we immediately find a way to share that good news with the people that we love. There's something about good news practically demands that we share it. With that in mind, how much more the wonderful and and the marvelous truth that God sent his son into this world, how much more does that deserve and demand that we share that news with others? God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus to our world. He sent Jesus to die for our sins. He sent Jesus to absorb the punishment that we deserve. Jesus didn't deserve that. We did. God sent his son so that through the son, we might enter into a right relationship with the father. So all we have to do is to repent of our sin and believe in the Son, believe in Jesus Christ, believe that God raised him from the dead, confess him as Lord, then we'll receive salvation. And once you receive salvation, nothing or no one can remove that from your life. Your salvation is rooted in secure not in who you are or what you do. No, it is rooted and secured by Jesus and who he is and what he has done. And so may you be encouraged, child of God. May you be encouraged to know who you are in Christ. Love God and love him enough to love his word so that you can know him and you can live his word out properly in this world. For those of you who have yet to submit and surrender your life, may you know it is not enough to do good. It is not enough to just love other people and be kind. Those are nice things, and those are admirable traits to have in life. But that in and of itself, will not gain access to heaven, you must submit, you must surrender your life to the King of Kings. I'm going to wrap this up for today. I wish I could go further, but we'll stop here in verse number four. We'll pick up in verse number five next week. And as we close, let me pray for you. Father, help us. Help us to truly understand who you are. God, help us to love your word. God, protect us from the false teaching that is Ever so prevalent in our world today, that may we know that the best way to detect false teaching is by knowing the truth. And God, you have given us the truth, so help us to, to love it enough to read it, to study it, and to rightly apply it into our hearts and into our lives. Be with us today, God. May your spirit convict us of the sin that's prevalent in our lives. May we confess that sin, repent from it, and pursue you. God, help us in our walk. God, put someone in our hearts and in our paths even today that we might share the good news of Jesus Christ with because good news demands to be shared So, God, help us to proclaim the good news. God, we ask that you do whatever is necessary so that we can begin to reassemble in person. God, we know that this isn't the ideal way to to do church and to be the church, but, Father, we know temporarily that we can make adjustments. God, we long to be back together in full fellowship with one another. But God, make it happen. Make a way. Give us strength this week to live a life that fully glorifies you. Help us now, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Church, before we go, may God bless you. May he go before you to lead you, behind you to protect you, beneath you to sustain you and beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will always be with you. So don't be afraid. Go glorify God and seek to make his glory. known. Amen. I'll see you next time, church.